It's deja vu for the Indians and the Yankees, but not in a good way. We'll take a look at some potential replacements for those squads' injured pitchers and also dip into the prospect pool to see who's worth stashing. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three go-throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Friday, February 21st. I'm Al Melkier, and I'm here with Derek Van Riper. So DVR, bad, bad day for pitcher injuries. Two big ones, Carlos Carrasco and Luis Severino. Let's start with uh, the Carrasco injury. He showed up to spring training on crutches, or I think maybe just one crutch, uh, on Thursday and had an MRI on his leg. So uh, on sometime on Friday, we should know results of those. But uh, now we've got a, you know, a growing cast of um, aspirants to join the uh, the Indians' rotation for opening day. And again, we don't know anything about a severity or timeline for Carrasco. But who stands out for you, DVR, in terms of somebody who could take advantage of uh, these injuries and and gain themselves a rotation spot? Yeah, it kind of has to become a question of who's the second replacement option with Mike Clevenger already lined up to miss a little bit of time. When the season begins, uh, if Carrasco's absence lingers on past opening day, I mean, Shane Bieber's obviously in the rotation. I think Zach Plesak and Adam Savali pitched well enough last year where they're really safe. Adam Plutko seems like a guy that they're comfortable relying on for innings, even if he's not necessarily an exciting fantasy starter. I think Jeffrey Rodriguez, Logan Allen, you know, Scott Moss, those are the names you're going to see on the depth chart. But Logan Allen's probably the most interesting of those options. Uh, He debuted last season, of course, in San Diego. He was a part of that big three-team trade that the Indians, Padres, and Reds hooked up on midseason. It wasn't wasn't really a good debut for Logan Allen, to put it nicely, though. 17 strikeouts, 13 walks, and just 27 and two-thirds innings. The ERA was up over six. But I'm looking back at what he was doing pre-2019, where he was at as a mid-level prospect in a very deep San Diego system, And I think I trust those skills to sort of rise to the top when you're talking about guys like Jeffrey Rodriguez and Scott Moss. And the former Rodriguez is really just a a journeyman at this point. So uh, Logan Allen's the guy that I'm most interested in. I think at this point, it's mostly for deep, deep mixed leagues. We're talking draft and hold scenarios and then AL only formats. I don't know if there's a whole lot of short term value in mixed leagues if Allen does break camp with a rotation spot. Yeah, and you know the thing too is that it might be a limited shelf life. The the thing that I find interesting about both of these situations is that while uh, again we don't even know if Carrasco is going to miss opening day, but let's say that he misses a few weeks, just like Clevenger is slated to, or with the Severino situation, which we're going to get to shortly. Uh, you know, if they're out just a few weeks at the beginning, that it really provides sort of a showcase for somebody like a Logan Allen or maybe a Jeffrey Rodriguez, uh, or you know, even the more established guys like Plutko or Savali. Um, do you see that as an opportunity where maybe a pitcher can take advantage of it and really change their stock and maybe you know change plans? Where you know, just as an example, maybe the Indians really want Savali in the rotation, but if Let's say both Logan Allen and Jeffrey Rodriguez get opportunities to start, and they're you know better than expected. Do you see that as a situation where somebody could actually change a team's plans? Yeah, I think if you're looking at the typical number four or number five starter on most teams, 
they're susceptible to losing their job to a temporary replacement if that replacement steps in for somebody else and outperforms them over maybe even a four to six start stretch. I don't think it takes much on the margins of a rotation for one starter to overtake another. Um, and Plitko is probably the guy who of that group that I would look at as being the most susceptible to losing his spot. You know, I just I don't have a lot of faith in him because he allows a lot of contact. I just don't think his approach is one that is going to be viable for, for Cleveland to rely on him every fifth day all season long. I just see him as more of an up and down sort of long relief type at this point. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, out of the the four that seem like they've got the best chance to be in the rotation, Bieber obviously being one of them, but Plutko, Plesak, and Savali, I, I'm with you there. And I really, I liked what uh, we saw from Adam Savali last year. So, um, you know, that's uh, certainly going to be an opportunity for him to, uh, you know, show, show off what he can do uh, at the beginning of the season. Let's move on to uh, the Yankees situation. Luis Severino, uh, there were reports coming out that he had a sore forearm. And then I saw things a little bit later that the injury actually stemmed back to his last start in the American League Championship Series from last year. So that's sort of an interesting wrinkle here. And then another report, these things just all sort of trickled out on Thursday, that he also has loose bodies in his right elbow. I have to assume these things are all related. But uh, unlike with the Carrasco situation where we're still waiting on MRI results, there's already a little bit of speculation about Severino's timeline that there's a possibility already that he's not going to be in the opening day rotation. So the Yankees may already just be down to the, the trio of Cole Tanaka and Hap. Um, so potentially two openings to begin the, uh, the season. So same question to you DVR again, out of a, a cast of characters all now competing for possibly two spots who stands out. You know, I think Jordan Montgomery was someone I liked similar to Logan Allen in draft and hold and AL only kind of before this news happened. And now I'm a little more intrigued by him because with two potentially two significant injuries in the Yankees rotation to begin the season, he's maybe more than a temporary fill in. I mean, it's possible that what's going on with Severino is a long term problem. We just don't know for sure at this point. It's very concerning coming off the year that he had a year ago. Um, I'm looking at this, and I think Jordan Montgomery probably gets that first crack. Jonathan Loisega is really interesting from a skills perspective. I think he's had a variety of different arm injuries himself, so relying on him is really kind of a risky proposition, but I think he's definitely in the mix now that they have that extra need in their rotation. So those are the first two guys that I, I think get bumps up in value. What I'm really curious to see, though, is if the absences of this Yankees rotation, if these guys continue to miss time, is Davey Garcia, who's only 20 years old, turns 21 in May, is he actually a candidate to end up in the big leagues for a significant share of this 2020 season? I think he could be. It really... I think depends a lot on the severity of Severino's uh, injury. And this just doesn't sound good to me. I mean, anytime you're talking about forearm, uh, it's it's a little bit scary. And I think if you've got that second spot open, I think that that does create a, a significant opening for Garcia to uh, to make some noise this year. Now I could also see that maybe it's Montgomery and Lois Sega that get the first two shots 
and maybe it's, it's Garcia in a long relief role. But I think one way or another that uh, he could he could make a big impact in 2020. I also think this stabilizes the role for Jay Happ. I mean, I think he was a guy that if everybody were healthy and he struggled to begin the season, one of those younger starters might have been taking his rotation spot away. But now I think just having that guy that can go out there every fifth day, get you five or six innings, that's going to be valued a little bit more with a few young starters having prominent roles because of these injuries. Yeah, and he had a, certainly a nice finish to an otherwise really uh, pretty ugly 2019 season. So I probably put a little bit more stock in that than I probably should. But it gives me some hope that maybe he figured something out and that that something can be carried over into 2020, because right now the Yankees certainly could use that. Uh, well, before we move on to our next topic, I just want to say about uh, I'm pretty sure I mispronounced uh, or he's or the wrong name for Aaron Savali. So I think I, uh, I created an extra atom in the rotation mix. Uh, Plutko is the atom. So it's Aaron Savali. I said I like how he stands out, but apparently I don't like his first name very much. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, staying on the topic of, of the youngsters, uh, DVR, you wrote a piece a few few days back, several days back, with uh, rookie rankings, and they're not strictly rankings, as in you know enumerating every single player that you uh, included, but you have several different groupings, and I guess we could call them tiers, uh, a pecking order for rookie hitters for this year. Really interesting stuff. A lot of really intriguing names there, and I want to begin the discussion by distinguishing two of your categories. So you have players that are just immediately uh, ones that you can plug into pretty much any uh, any lineup and those that you can make, immediately plug into maybe a deeper league lineup. But you make a distinction between deep league stashes and uh, stashes, rookie stashes in your AL and NL only leagues. And there were some players I may have put in one and not in the other. Um, so I'm just sort of curious about how you went about making that distinction? Is it more about the player's upside or more about their opportunity for playing time or just really a 50-50 combination of the two things? Yeah, I think some of it's actually the ETA for how quickly I think the player could be called up. But then the other uh, thing to consider is once they come up, are they everyday players? Are they big side platoon players? Uh, And then, of course, skills factor in as well. So, you know, deep mixed league stashes for me, someone you would actually draft in March in, say, a 15-team mixed league and, and wait it out for a few weeks until they come up and, and take over a prominent spot would be someone like Dylan Carlson for the Cardinals or Nick Madrigal for the White Sox or even Carter Keboom for the Nationals. Now, I think Keboom is maybe the most difficult player in that group to figure out because he struggled in a very brief sample last season for the Nats, both with the bat and in the field, but they have a clear need at third base this season, they could move as Drupal Cabrera around to multiple spots and kind of use him uh, as a four or five times per week starter. I get the sense that when Keyboom is in DC, he will play a lot. If he is not playing a lot, he will get sent down. Like they're, they're just not going to mess up his development to have him on the bench because they have so many high quality bench options already. There's just, there just won't be that much of an opportunity for him if he's not a starter. But ultimately, I believe he will be a starter. So that's why I put him in the deep mixed league stashes group. He's going to go outside the top 200 in most leagues. Uh, The only thing you're really worried about, I think, is where he's going to hit in that lineup. You know, we talked about the Nationals lineup on yesterday's show. Carter Keboom is probably stuck in the bottom half of that lineup all season. And to make matters worse, he's probably going to begin the year in the bottom third 
if he wins that third base job. Yeah, and that's definitely something that's going to uh, impact his value, to be sure. And an important thing, I think, to take, in, take into consideration with all of these prospects that you mentioned, because we all get very excited about it and look at the minor league numbers and transpose those however we are prone to do that, and maybe don't always take that into consideration. So that's a good thing to bring up. So you have those two distinctions of the players that are worth stashing in like a 15-team mixed league and those that are more appropriate for an AL or NL only. One thing that was absent was you had players that you could immediately plug into a 12-team league, but not ones you could stash. Uh, Is there anybody that you could think of or any situation where you could think, okay, here's somebody that would be worth taking a flyer on because there's maybe so much replaceability on waivers in the 12 teamer that I might as well just get ahead of the fab process and stash. You know, I'm just going to put a name out there. Not necessarily the one that's the best, but like Joe Adele, I'm just going to stash Joe Adele in my 12 teamer. Does that ever make sense? I think it does. In some cases, there are some leagues out there that have a dedicated spot for one NA player or one minor league player and if you know it's a 10 team league or a 12 team league there's only so many of those high upside prospects to go around so Joe Adele who I think will play in the big leagues at some point this year is absolutely worth stashing in a 12 team league that's like that but if we're talking about a 12 team league without a dedicated minor league spot with a reasonable or even smaller bench I mean we're talking seven spots being reasonable five or fewer being pretty small I just think we're going to have to wait longer than we'd all like to wait for Joe Adele. He had some issues at AAA last year. The strikeout rate was very high. WRC Plus dropped to 67 during that time. He's just 20 years old. They want to win right now, and if they believe he gives them the best chance to do that, he has a path. But they tried to make a trade for Jock Peterson you know, a week ago. If Jock Peterson were an angel right now, Joe Adele would have an even more obstructed path to a regular role. So I just... I'm trying to read the signs a little bit and say, okay, AAA didn't go well when he got to that level last year. They just tried to add a guy that could lead off and play a corner outfield spot. He's probably more of like a second half 2020 option as opposed to a first half 2020 option. And in a league where I don't have a lot of bench spots, I really don't want to have to burn up a bench spot waiting for a guy that may struggle once he arrives in the big leagues if his promotion to AAA is any indication. All right. Well, that certainly makes a lot of sense to me. Um, well, since we've spent a lot of this show uh, talking about injuries, I figured might as well continue on the theme with our featured read of the day. And this one is from The Athletic. It's the injury mailbag, Mike Clevenger's timeline, Alex Verdugo's strange back injury, and more by Virginia Zakis of Inside Injuries. Uh, some great stuff there, not only on Clevenger and Verdugo, but also some something on James Paxton that you definitely should read. Freddie Freeman, surprisingly to me, was included in the mailbag. A lot of really good stuff that you should check out there uh, by Virginia. Yazakis uh, on The Athletic. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, try to end this on a happier note. Instead of uh, thinking about injuries, we'll just wrap things up right now on Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything that we do is included with the subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier. We will be back here on Monday. Monday.